Middle of the Pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Middle of the Pack Podcast. We are back after taking a uh, little bit of time off just after OCR World Championships. Um, I am here with my co-host as always, Megan. Hello. And returning with us again is Corey. Good evening, good evening. They could be listening to this in the morning. Good morning. <laughs> good afternoon, good night. Uh-oh, no good night. We still have a long night ahead of us. Go Sox. Do we? Um, so we have now had a good like week to digest OCR World Championships and how we did and what we thought of the event. So we thought we would just kind of like hash out our opinions, thoughts of just kind of how this year's OCR World Championships actually went, went about. You know, I've been looking at this last week and thinking we really should unpack OCRWC. And I, you know what I realized? I still haven't even unpacked my suitcase. I am the worst. <laughs> I guess I still have one pair of shoes. Hey, hey, I had a very eventful week between OCRWC and today. I did go to two Bruins games, including a last minute trip to New York City. And I went to Doggy Dash at Boulder Dash. I mean, I have not sat still. I feel you on that. My own personal reasons have kept me busy. How was Doggy Dash, by the way? Oh my gosh, so much fun. I will say um, it was a lot more busy than last year. I signed up very last minute, so I didn't get any of the perks to Doggy Dash, except for the fact that my dog ran the race and did very well. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love that race. Um, great turnout this year. I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the pictures. And Titan got two new squeaky toys, stuffed toys. He's not tearing the stuffing out of them, and he has been carrying them everywhere. He is so happy. That's awesome. I didn't realize actually until earlier today that uh, Doggy Dash had happened because I saw Boulder Dash's post, and I was like, oh, I wish I was in the area, but yeah, we don't. We don't have dog obstacle races here. And honestly, I think that's the only one I know of. <laughs> I did see that um, Leah from formerly Bro CR, she also went to a dog obstacle course race this year or this weekend. So apparently that was a thing this weekend, doggy obstacle course races. It should be a thing every weekend. If anybody who's in the industry who actually listens to this and wants to help us make dog races, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, when you when you start your own OCR, go ahead, make make a dog circuit too. I'm so down for that, absolutely. But yeah, OCR World Championships. It was a it was a good event, pretty good turnout. But then I thought it was going to be honestly, like I didn't think it was going to be that strong. But they had a pretty good amount of numbers. It looked like they did it. The numbers were pretty solid. I think. Some age groups could have been filled a little bit more. But I also think that a lot of people were intimidated by the idea of OCRWC. But then you also have, you know, Tahoe that weekend. You had Tough Mudder and Toughest Mudder. 
in Seattle. You had Savage in Georgia. You even had Rugged Maniac, you know, two hours southeast in Massachusetts. So it was still a very full race weekend. And I mean, at least in New England, if so many people had already had that Rugged Maniac on the schedule from well before they rescheduled OCRWC, I can see why that would pull some of the New England racers. But um, still, they, they did have a really solid turnout. Yeah, so much so. I think uh, the age group that they definitely need to consider splitting maybe for the three kid next year is our 30 to 39 age group. Agreed. That's a big wave. Like, I didn't realize how big our age group was until I was standing there and I'm like, they're going to send us off every minute. And then they finally like just started reeling us out every like 30 seconds. Well, I love Justin. He definitely spent more than a minute in between a few of the, um, yeah, a few of the waves. But for somebody like Corey's sake, it definitely bought him time with his crazy story that we'll get to. <laughs> How did, um, Corey, how did getting to OCR World Championships work for you? You know, for a small, solid hour, I would I was questioning of even going. So I had two flights canceled. I had eight delays between the two flights. Um, my reservation for my vehicle was canceled because me flying into Boston was shut down. So they canceled that. So even if I went to a different airport, I had no way to get to Vermont. Um, somehow, my clothing my check bag ended up in boston so when i did arrive to manchester finally they said sorry we're not gonna have your equipment or your clothes or anything until you know sometime between midnight and six on saturday or on friday um and i was like okay well i i need that before then They're like that's fine we'll get it to you well come wake up Friday and I don't have anything. So I go to the venue, start looking at like clothes and shoes, trying to find something. And again, email it says, Hey, it'll be here at noon. I'm like, not happening. So I was well prepared to run barefoot. Like some people who know me know that's, that's a thing I do. I run barefoot. So I was in my mind ready to go. And then literally 15 minutes before our race starts, I get a phone call saying, Hey, your stuff's here. So I run back to our house, which is like, what, five minutes from the venue, get my gear, run back to the venue, and then literally as soon as I get there, I've got like three minutes before they're like, hey, three, two, one, go. So I, there was there was a, a brief moment where I was like, I'm not going to make it. I don't want to go. And I think that kind of killed my racing mindset at that point, in all honesty. I think I just turned it more like a, a fun weekend, you know, just to play around and see people. But it was if it wasn't for uh, our very own Megan over here, I I would not have made it to Vermont. <laughs> yeah, you still like you will never stop owing me for that. You turned my three-hour trip to Stratton into a ten-hour trip in my truck. <laughs> your yeah, your drive was longer than my drive from Virginia because <laughs> that only took me eight and a half nine hours of that. It was oh, crazy. Wow. So for weeks leading up to it, Corey's been saying, oh, well, I'm flying into Boston. I'm going to get a rental car. I'm like, well, that's dumb. I'm, I live in Boston. I'm, you know, just on the other side of the harbor from the airport. It takes all of 10 minutes to get there. Like, 
I'll just wait and I'll drive you into Stratton. No, it's fine. I'm going to get a rental car. I'm going to get a rental car. So I leave after my client at like 9 a.m. And I start driving. You have to go out along Route 2. And my parents live on Route 2. So I'm like, okay, I'll stop in. I'll see Titan. I'll grab groceries. Because, again, we've mentioned it. There's no grocery store near Stratton. So if you can get groceries early, you do it. So I loaded up a cooler. I had lunch with my parents and then off I went to Stratton. I'm crossing over from Massachusetts into Vermont right there in Brattleboro and I get a text from Corey saying, fuck, I'm stuck in Pennsylvania. They're not going to have a flight to Boston for me until Saturday. So I just pull over into a Dollar General and like we're texting and it's like, I don't know what to do. Like, do I get a car and drive from Philly? And then finally he gets a flight to Manchester. And I say, okay, tell me now, am I turning around and driving to Manchester? And if anybody is familiar with Manchester, New Hampshire, it is an hour north of Boston. So it's from where I was at, it was probably two hours northeast. I have to go farther east than I was when I was at my parents. And he's like, yeah, you're going to need to come pick me up. So I did. And with that, I was supposed to originally land in Manchester at like three. So it wouldn't have been that bad. But then that, those flights kept getting delayed. And then I didn't leave Pennsylvania until like almost it initially said six. And then it dropped to four. So I didn't land in Manchester until what, 630-ish almost? And she had already, she had been at the airport at that point for like three hours away. And there's nothing to do in Manchester, New Hampshire. I was exhausted, starving. I mean, at least it gave me zero time to be nervous for the race in the morning. But he got in, I handed him my truck keys and said, have fun, you're driving. It's crazy that there was that many cancellations because other I know other people had that problem. And the storms weren't that terrible. Like, because we had a whole row of storms. I drove through the rain up until New York City to get up there. I probably could have picked you up when I was passing Philly. I was about to say, you should have mentioned something, because... <laughs> I didn't know. I, I <laughs> Yeah, and also, whoever... <laughs> I didn't think your bags were going to show up. Like, from... To get in the middle of nowhere, Vermont, I was like, mm, I don't think that's happening. So the fact that they showed up in the morning, I hope they paid that courier enough money <laughs> to get them out there. It was crazy. I, I know I had a couple people that were offering him clothes and shoes. And I'm sure there were people in his house as well. But yeah, when he was like, oh, I'm going to run in joggers barefoot. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, just borrow somebody's clothes. I was totally prepared just to wear my joggers and run barefoot. But this is a good coaching moment. Here's a pro tip for everybody. Um, if you're going to race... Put it in a carry-on, so that way you don't accidentally forget it. Yeah. It's been the golden rule for racing for a while, man. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I, I live on the edge, okay? But what's worse is I actually had, I had my trail shoes on before I even left the airport. Like, as, as I was at the airport, before I checked my bag, I switched out shoes because, like, I won't need these uh, until you know, yeah. Friday. Well, you know what? Fail. You know, he even went and bought, like, rain gear. He bought honey stingers. Everything was left in his um, checked bag. 
So like right before the race, he turns to me, he's like, do you have like honey stingers or anything? I'm like, well, yeah, I do. So he's like eating all my food, driving my truck, like, you know, anytime you want to pay gas money, just let me know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I will. But I was actually, I was, I was more worried about my Iron Man helmet. I didn't oh, care I about my racing gear or anything. I just want my Iron Man helmet. But also, this being your first, because you haven't done Noram, correct? You've only done, this is your first OCR World Champs? Yeah, it's the first like, one. Adventure product? Yeah. Uh, for being your first one, what do you think? What did you think of it? I mean, it was great. Um, I mean, props and shout out to all of the OCR um, World Champ, you know, staff and everybody who, like, all the build crew and everybody like that who, you know, put it together. Um, I mean, there was, there was a lot of good takeaways and there were some questionable things, uh, obviously. But, uh, I mean, I'm still kind of on edge about next year, in all honesty. Um, but we'll, uh, as time gets closer, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But, I mean, overall, it was a fantastic weekend. I mean, I was glad it rained Friday, so. I was, I was watching the storm the whole way up through because it was supposed to pour all the way through our, the 3K. So the fact that it, like, stopped as we were going out, I was like, this is perfect weather now. Yeah, you guys got really lucky. It stopped shortly after you took off, and then it was done by the time that I took off. And the obstacles weren't even wet. Like, our age group is so large. The obstacles weren't even that wet by the time we got to them. The only thing that you noticed anything being wet was down there on Skitch. Because as soon as you put the hooks on there, you just immediately slid. So that was the only thing that showed that's you. the fastest like... Skitch I've ever done. Yeah, if only it were like that on Saturday. That 15K Skitch did not want to move. I had I had trouble on the 15k sketch, but that's because my hands were I was sweating so much my hands got soft, and it's not super comfortable on the sketch like grips. But I think I tweaked a nerve on sketch on one of my hands. On the 15k, I still don't have full feeling on like my pinky side of my hand from it. I definitely thought that I was well. I saw a blood blister starting to form, um, and it it was so bad that it caused me to drop, but I got through it. My 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 thoughts on like the three K because I prefer the three K. I did the fifteen K this year just because it was my first. I've done Noram, but it's the first time doing OCR World Champs, I wanted to get all the medals I could. But the three K this year wasn't too bad. It was much better setup than I think Noram was past year. They slammed a good chunk of obstacles, but they really love like slamming them all in the same area. Just do do do, get them out of the way, and then send you up the mountain and then back down like well they try to make it as viewer friendly as possible that's true somebody should have informed my dad that but we'll get there i think the only the only thing on the 3k that gave me issue which is like i think a major talking point for the 3k to the 15k was canyon and that's because it only took me two tries it was so low in the the for us the hay was so high that on the bottom rings my ass was basically on the ground the whole time a short person and my ass was in the hay the entire time yeah that that is just that was the only issue with it i wasn't you don't have an ass well maybe you should squat Stop. more you can <laughs> point. Point. don't worry it's coming yeah. no but i know uh, i mean Can canyon gave i mean obviously gave everybody issues if they're willing to change it you know the next day but i know like on mine uh who's it chris krugosi how do you say her last name uh, that's your best guess man i think you got it okay <laughs> okay there we go so she was coming over to my lane 
because my second ring up had wrapped around the rafter and had hooked onto one of the hooks, so mine sat higher. So you see her, I got pictures of her walking over, trying to switch it, and then you see me start to go, and her face will change to like, oh, I don't know if he's going to make it. And then you see me grab it, and her face is like, oh, he's got it. And then as you see him hitting the bell, her face is just like, okay, you do you. We got this. So, like, it, it was definitely hard, but, I mean... Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about them changing it the next day to take a ring away and raise it. <laughs> we'll get there. I do remember watching you go through Corey and I was slightly panicking because I saw that ring. Uh, um, I saw it wrapped around and I'm like, don't go, don't go, no, stop, stop. And you still went for it. And like, luckily you got it. Um, it, it was great to see. I think it um, riled everybody up. but. Um, so for me, when I got to Canyon, I reached as far as I could forward. And, um, I think what really got a lot of people was they, they didn't realize how quickly your body was going to decelerate. And with that hay being so low and you had the hay bales right by the second to lowest rings. And then you had just a little bit of hay but not a full bale on the bottom so you actually had like a little step off that you had to miss as you came through so i remember even before the race i was warming up and i saw my coach ian hosick and he's like megan what's your technique on canyon and i looked at him like not fail and he's like that's a good plan i'm like no but i'm gonna figure for it um so he's like okay that 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 can work so I grabbed as far as I could. I swung down, and um, as I was coming through and my body was decelerating, I could, um, I could like, feel my leg sweeping that hay step off. So I figure forward it, and I was able to get through, and then I switched to a chicken wing to climb back up a little bit. And um, because ultimately what happened was I don't even think I chicken winged the first one. I just relied on the figure four. And then as soon as um, I needed to drop the figure four, because I could feel um, my grip getting really fatigued and I wasn't really sure what was left. Um, and I couldn't reach across. So the lead hand was the one that I was holding my leg with and my body wasn't rotating. So I had to drop my leg there and just rely on like pull-ups. And that's when I could feel my grip kind of giving out and I didn't want to refigure four to give my forearm some rest. So I got to the, I was reaching to the last ring and I voluntarily stopped. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. So I tried swinging through the second one. I immediately ended up on the ground. Like, there's no swinging through on that. So then finally, I um, did a mix of the figure four and the chicken wing to get through and then did a pull up on the last one to reach that bell. That bell was so high. Very high. That was my issue because I went through the first one and I leaned down. I think I grabbed like the third ring and then, yeah, that fast deceleration. And then I just started doing just, I mean, as you get up Valkyrie, same way. But yeah, I went to hit the bell and just, I didn't, I realized that is much higher than I thought it was. So missed it drop down and then on the second one i was like i'm getting a full pump at this point from like pulling my body weight up so i just went up to the fourth ring and just full chicken winged to hold, hold myself there it worked because then i could just reach up and then actually fully hit the bell but uh 
I bore so much weight on it. I didn't get full feeling back in this arm until ricochet. Wow. So I like, I full pinched the chicken wing uh, in my arm on that one. So the whole time I'm just running through the other obstacles, just shaking my hand, trying to get it to work. Uh, I mean, I, it could work, but wasn't a full amount of feeling. Well, first I would, before, since we were talking about that bell, I would argue, um, since I know we're inevitably going to be going into, should it have been changed? I would say with that bell, they only needed to lower it, like put it to the same height as that final ring. I, Cause I know so many people could reach that final ring. They just couldn't get to the bell to hit it. The amount of girls I saw getting past them, up climbing to the ranks, getting to the fourth, but it was that fifth to the bell. That was the biggest problem, which I think was most people. And in the house, in, in my house that night, I, I immediately said, I was like, they're probably, before we got confirmation, they were changing it, but like, they're probably going to change Canyon because they, that took, took out so many people. And I was like, I think the only thing they'll change though, I figured they were going to take the fifth ring out, bring the bell down to there. So I'm surprised we might as well just get into the changing of it. I mean, yeah, no, we got confirmation that they were changing it. Um, Aaron told us, Aaron from Race Ready Obstacles said they were changing it before we left the venue on Friday. We heard it. Uh, we heard it from, um, what's his name, from uh, Battle of the Lions in our house. Sid. Is there Sid. Because Chrissy was talking to Sid. But I also figured they were changing it because when I was watching the pros, Sid and Aaron were both over at Pendulum, like doing that thing, like pointing and talking at Canyon. And I was like, they're going to change it. It's totally happened. Like, they're definitely changing this obstacle. Yeah, Aaron said Sid was pissed to find out they had to change it. And he was like explaining to us what they were going to be changing it with. The adjustment made it easy. I got it in one shot without trying. Like oh, and that's the that was on the 15K. And I, I was very tired at that point for that obstacle. And the fact that I just went, because you could, our asses weren't on the ground anymore. So we could just swing momentum all the way to almost. Oh, I didn't even have to. I didn't even have to flex my hips. I literally left my knees underneath and just like bent my knees. And was able to swing straight through. And like I didn't even need to pull up on um to get it at all. I just swung. Uh I think they could have just one ring off, bring the bell down one. That would have been a little better, I think. Raise it off the ground, I don't know. Not as high as they did. <laughs> like just give us a little bit more ass clearance and then we'd be golden. How was it for the team race? I don't know. I mean, Matt. My technical guy, what I heard was he goofed going on. The, he he like he rushed it, getting onto it, and then he got it on the second try. I think it was exactly the same as the 15K. Well, my teammate was uh, fourth fastest in our division on the tech leg. So oh, how okay. did it go? Yeah, that's a tech leg. That's tech leg. No, no big deal. Um, no, I mean, it was, I mean, there was nothing different. I mean, obviously, I ran, I, I didn't do the 15K, so... Um, I hadn't experienced it up to, to that point, but I mean, it, it was just smoother. Um, the, the day before when I was, I was talking to Leon and we had talked about how we were going to go about doing it. And me and him had the same thing. Like at that point with it being raised, I think I went to like the third ring, you know, f going into it and just swung our knees, grabbed the second and just kind of did like a little kit pull up and just tapped the bell. I mean, it was just a smooth fluid motion didn't touch anything but maybe two or three rings if that um 
but it just it was definitely easier than the 3k that's for sure it's pretty easy it's a, it is definitely a bummer to have them dumb down an obstacle especially to that level but i mean it helped people get through it i i do think they over overdid overdid the change a little bit um speaking of dumbing down obstacles though what did you guys think of valkyrie i know um Corey, you haven't experienced valkyrie in noram sense but you've seen it in other races right yeah when i did the uh frontline race we have to wear that 20 pound weight vest battle brought it down there and set it up and it was i mean i feel like it was almost kind of the same i mean it, it didn't seem necessarily as difficult than what everybody made it i thought it was the same as noram it's always been nope it was not as steep so it didn't go up as high instead it was at a um, lesser angle i didn't have to pull up at all for valkyrie i actually was able to skip rings in between i just i grabbed the first or second one i just got a good swing grabbed um across two and i i, I think i only touched like three or four rings on valkyrie altogether um it, it was so incredibly swingable i think for me I mean, being a guy with a long reach, I, I'm not going to notice much of a difference because Valkyrie was easy in 2019 when I did it. I did come down much faster than the previous years, but I'm more confident on my grip. So I could just skip a couple or skip literally two rings and get to the bell. But I think the one thing about Valkyrie is their rule on that obstacle is whack. Up until that Pro 3K, you had to touch the apex ring first before you could come down. You couldn't just get across. Yep, nope, I didn't. Bam saw me and he didn't yell at me for it. He said, good job, Megan. Yeah, I don't understand the rule on that because they they, enfor I, uh, they enforced it when Rose and Lindsay were battling and then halfway through that pro wave heat, they, they just axed the rule in the middle of it. It's not a, it's not a good rule. I granted, I understand why they have it. It's so like people... Like, like, don't just start bottom ring and literally just, like, Let's jump to the other one. Yeah. yeah. So I can understand that rule, but Valkyrie, I don't know. I feel like at the time when Valkyrie first showed up, it was challenging, but now it's just kind of like, meh. You actually had to pull up on Valkyrie, and now this time you didn't. But we also know that Valkyrie took a lot of people's bands at Noram, so I can understand why they would make it that you could swing a little bit more. Yeah, it was, um, I did see when I was waiting for Jeff to come down, I was watching as the ladies came through, we all's age group, and I did see a lot of ladies did get stuck there. I think it was more obstacle proficiency. Yeah. Kind of didn't have them on par, but um, it is still one obstacle that is quite scary to see someone be at the top ring and then just fall down. Like that is, uh, that's a good height for some, for some people. I was happy to see they didn't make it as high in the air this time, but I really wish they would have left it at the same angle. Like, what was it, 2019 Kelly fell from, like... Yeah, I, um, yeah. she got seriously injured. Is that how she tore her labrum? I don't know. I don't, I don't speculate so, people's I know she, yeah. health injuries. But since we're literally talking Valkyrie and Canyon, the, the monkey in the middle of that is uh, Pendulum. The gimme rig, but uh, apparently that was oh, supposed to be devil's rig. Stuff. Yay, Spartan rig. Apparently, according to uh, Battle of the Lions, that was supposed to be the devil's steps. See, I heard on the 
ORM podcast that Devil Steps was going to be on the 100 meter. Yeah, but apparently Sydney was working on that and he couldn't get it to work properly. Like, that's how Pendulum became what it was. I don't know. I got this from another source. So they made it what it was. I saw some people get stuck at it. I mean, it was just kind of a... I feel like that was an obstacle they literally could have taken, put it at the top of, like, you know, the first couple obstacles in the 15K. Oh, you mean... The technical rig on the running portion. That could have been it. I give him credit. I kind of forgot square monkey bars existed. So like when I was yeah. going through it, I was like, oh, that's square. And then I just reverse gripped it and kept moving. Hey, but... starting starting on the square on that those monkey bars, that was actually tough. I saw a lot of people. That's right. Y'all yeah. y'all went the other way. Yeah. yeah, I can see that being a problem, starting on the square grip. You can't get any swing going, really. Yeah. Um, I had to lock off on it. But Pendulum definitely wasn't tough. You just needed a really good swing. I just used that to play on. Like, I just skipped the first ring, went to the second wing, and just kind of lashed to the bar. And at that point, I was far enough down where I just hit the bell as soon as I touched the bar. I just used it to play on. You were only on it for two seconds. How did you play on it? Hey, you know, two seconds. You can do a lot in two seconds. I was going to say, are you admitting you went back on course, how you're not allowed to? Is this a hot take? <laughs> is this is a hot take. <laughs> no, I would never. <laughs> I would have loved to see you attempt LCD, though. Oh, yeah. That obstacle. I mean, and I saw, actually, I saw a, a good chunk of people in our age group, 30 to 34, lachey it. But that, like, it, it's a fun obstacle, but half of it, you can horizontal that thing. So you can just quick traverse it and you're done. I wish it was longer. I'll say it about this obstacle. I mean, it was a good portion of the obstacles. They really don't like short people. It was impossible to get started on the bar. So, um, like, even just to reach for the rope was really tough at my height. Um, so I had to climb the rope to even get onto the bar. And at that point, um, I was thinking, you know, you have to save your hands for the entire 15K. So I didn't even attempt to swing, but I really wanted to lache it. I think it could have been. I honestly don't even remember there being a rope at the beginning of it, but that's because it's tall. I think lacheing could have been fun. I would have liked to attempt it, but I was not going to risk lacheing like during the day. But I thought several people do it easily, like no problem. Especially that early. That, that would be a big concern if they would have put it closer to the end when, you know, things were more of a race or not, then I would have attempted it more. But yeah, I coming off of my run of the 100 meter the night before, um, I even had to cut that down to one shot because I could just my hands were getting too raw and I didn't want to risk it. That's what uh, that's what happened to me with the 15K. Hands got real, and it was because I did my 100 meter on Friday. Like, I only did one run through, and I didn't even know the rope slid on it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know the rope was a slider. I, know, I didn't watch beforehand. I literally just jumped on. So I thought it was a bar, another bar traverse. I was like, why would you do two of these? But um, so I got back and ran onto it. Yeah, afterwards, I felt a full pump in my hands. Where I was like, I don't know if that was the best decision to do the 100 meter. I'm just waiting to see where you guys want to take it from there. Cause we're just like free flowing about everything. So yeah. I mean, if we're just going to keep going through the 15 K we're going to through the 15 K we went from like three K into the 15 K and we're eventually going to round off all on the same obstacles. 
Might as well. I think the only other ones I can think of on the 15k... Has Legaf always had the uh, resistance band? No. Okay. I was wondering about that. And it felt it's one pull longer than usual, right? It was. Um, so I had talked to Aaron at Highlander, and he said that he was asked to come up with a new system for Legaf. So that was it. I don't see what the big fuss was about. I had no problems. I had... Um... I had to adjust. Corey was there when I was doing it. I'm, Corey was I'm there only... all day. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was at the 15 guys. I know. I, I was. I was literally there for five hours. For from like, from when Meg went. What time did you take off? You weren't there when I took off. No, I know. <laughs> um, I but you're I know... not going to make it to a start line. Um, <laughs> um, I took off at what 9:15. Okay, 9:15. Yeah. So I was there when the pro waivers were coming through. Up until I was, I was there until the, from the pro waivers up until about almost one thirty two o'clock, and I literally just watched pro waivers, age group, even you know at the last minute a couple of open waivers come through, and so many people were having so many issues on it. Um, I think it had to do with the resistance bands because they put more resistance on the actual bars themselves, so it, it pulled back more than what it usually has before. So what was your advice that you were telling everybody? Because I know I spent probably a little too long standing there talking to you, letting you get in my head that it was going to be tough. Well, you know, I like to mix things up. Um, but no, so like when everybody was going from that first red pole to that second piece of wood, you know, everybody was able to get that one. But going from that second wood to that third metal bar, uh, that third metal bar had so much resistance on it that if you're going super high, you like I said, the tension they put so much tension on it that it was just immediately pulling you back. So I was just telling everybody to go to that second piece of wood, put your back to it, and use those foot uh, holds to basically, you know, launch yourself into that metal bar. So that way, as you're, you know, jumping towards it, it will pull back just enough, and you have to reach to that, you know, last uh, wood post to be able to pull it in. But and like I said, I know the Puerto Rican team, I was there with like seven or eight of their guys and I was trying to talk to them like, hey, do it this way. Um, and all of them, you know, did it their way two, three times. And I was like, try it this way. And sure enough, they did it my way. And, you know, a couple of the pros, same thing. They're having issues, told them the exact same thing. Just use that momentum, you know, just try to throw your hips to one side so you don't middle the bar. But it was, like I said, just, and everybody kept saying, go high, go high. Well, you know, the spectators just assumed to go high, but you had to go low on that bar to try to, you know, pull that thing towards that last uh, wood post. Did you, though? Did you really? I remember. I got on. Again, I, I stood there talking a little too long because you kept saying, you know, it's hard. Nobody's getting it. I'm watching other people go, and you're just, like, talking me through what everybody's doing. And I remember you distinctly saying um, from the, what, the second to the third, you're going to have to throw your weight into the third to really get it to move. So I got going and I, I took my sweet time because um, the gaff is what I sprained my ankle on during the team race at NORAM 2019. Um, I've, aside from that race, I had never failed the gaff before and... I don't want to ever fail the gaff. So I got onto the first pole and, you know, I pulled back. I got onto the second and um, 
I, my dad took a video of it. I reached out to the third, um, but I remember turning to you and saying, wait, so I need to throw my weight. And you said something of the variety of, well, do what you're, do it how you know how to do it. <laughs> That's so, exactly, I was like, just do whatever you need to do. And then I just walked away. <laughs> you walked around it. You didn't walk away, but um, I reached onto the third and I climbed the pole to the top because I have always been one to get high because I know physics and gravity and all that kind of stuff. If I lean back from a higher, um, from being higher up, yeah, when I lean back, gravity is going to pull back harder. Um, and I mean, I'm a little girl. I'm not going to have that much weight to help pull the bar over with me. So if I can get higher, I can increase that lever. I can, you know, use my weight to get across. And I got all the way up to the top. I leaned back as far as I could. The pole came with me. I grabbed around. I transitioned onto the next one. I came back all the way back down to the bottom, just leaned back slightly, hit the bell. I screamed. I remember yelling at you. I'm like, I thought you said it was hard as I just like sprinted off. <laughs> I'm such a bitch. <laughs> I apologize for anybody who was there when I was there. I was just excited. The uh, I was there for maybe what, 15? I think I take a lot. I take long stops between mine. I don't know. But uh, I eventually got it. But yeah, I was trying to just literally get my weight on it. I'm I'm 185. I'm a big guy, and I can't get that fucking thing to move. I had it basically standing straight up with my weight on on that third pole. Um, so the final try I did, I yeah, I didn't lean back the the wood post. I just launched onto that, and I basically shoulder tackled the the middle pole to get it to move. That sucked. <laughs> like, I've only that's the third that's the second time I've been on the gaff 2018 uh, actually no yeah third time I've been on the gaff so I don't have a lot of practice on that obstacle and I don't want to <laughs> like I didn't think anybody was expecting that like I said before you know the one-offs Megan that had so many issues with it prior um, uh, who was uh, Charles the uh the woman who was with us in the at the house. Um, oh, uh, Alana. Yeah. So she had gotten there with one of my guys, and then I guess one of their friends came in, and all three of them. So my guy was there for a solid 45 minutes trying wow. to get across it. Um, and then Alana and I guess another uh, young lady was there about the same time just trying to get it. And then the last woman who came up, She's like, hey, I'm I'm only gonna go two more times. I was like, just try it, you know, the way I was saying. She went and got it. And then Alana, she was she tried it two more times and she's like, if I don't get this time, I'm done. And I was like, okay, well, you've been doing what I'm telling you to do. I'm like, you just trust yourself and just dive into it. And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, and I was right there next time. I was like, just jump into the damn pole. And she's like, okay, and just jumped and snagged it. And she stayed on that, she made it, made it to that fourth uh wood post and just stayed there for like what seemed forever i was like just hit the bell just reach on it just get off of it and she, and she starts like to tear up and i'm like that's awesome so yeah i mean they were they were there for like i said a solid 45 minutes but um i think people were just afraid to like commit to that jump you know diving into a metal bar 
But I mean, it like I said, it worked for everybody that I told to do it. So told me to it. do it, and I didn't. So, well, so you're not you everybody. are the OCR trainer, so. <laughs> Yeah, like after the one, I only spent a lot of time on the 15k on two obstacles, and the second one I'm mad about because I got. I it's not that I didn't have the skills to do it, it's that I actually got upset in my own head. I got stuck at force fives over under for like oh. ten to fifteen minutes. For no. I know I was just so frustrated because I was tired at that point, and I was like, I just want to be done with this obstacle because I got to the under part the first try and I just couldn't get over for some reason. Like it's before they, then they told us like, Oh, you can use the black frame. I was like, that would have been nice to know when I was stuck trying to get the fuck back over. Um, that so obstacle that is ramp city. That is where it I did. started cramping. That's where everybody started cramping. I cramped out, uh, both, both calves and one of my hamstrings were gone. But after that, yeah, my adductors, and it's not a hard obstacle. It's just, no. It's annoying. I got stuck at Gibbons. Those Gibbons were so close that it was, um, you couldn't swing because of how close they were. If you attempted to get any kind of swing going, um, then you were going to overshoot it. But you need to swing to be able to lift it out of the cradle. So I ended up starting with two Gibbons in the cradles and just barely lifted up, placed it in the third, dropped, um, put both hands on the third, got a solid swing, and then I just lachéed to the bell. So I skipped the last two gibbons. Just it, either you had to skip brackets or you couldn't swing. Yeah, I went, skipped the first, obviously. And I think I did two, three, and then I just reached up with the, because Bam told us to reach up and just hit the bell with the uh the the handle so but yeah they're really close and those bad boys spin yeah they spin more than uh indian mud runs like they have yet yeah. to uh change them they've always been that way yeah but yeah get um what was the other one oh the set can fuck off right <laughs> the caving ladder yeah fuck that obstacle um oh, that chicken wire I, I asked Aaron about that because uh, I was like, Aaron, you didn't design that. He's like, God, no. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not a good obstacle. That thing, I'm surprised I don't have a miss. I'm surprised I have hair on the back of my legs. Um, I'm surprised that people weren't just completely like torn up, like saw style, chopping off their limbs on there. I expected people to come out without their feet, their lower legs. I mean, I got there and I turned to the volunteer and I'm like, can I just do this like a monkey bar? But my hands, again, I, I was anticipating the final gauntlet and I'm like, I can't guarantee that um, my hands are going to survive if I, you know, attempt to swing through. But I was talking to Hosick um, on Monday and he said that he did the, he did it monkey bar style on the team race and it was like, a five second obstacle. Yeah, I watched two people do it monkey bar style when I was there. I watched actually one of Team Puerto Rico go through and he did it like he apparently didn't do a race at all that day. He was just, doo -doo, he went through, he was crossing grip the whole time. Oh, wow. So I was like, wow. Um, and then I saw Zach Wisnowski do it, like just gorilla it, just kept it like he got it that way. 
but yeah i there i didn't trust my arms and strength to do it that way like i thought about it but with it being close to the ground i was like i don't really want to risk it but yeah that thing screwed up my legs yeah um and then on the that being on the team the strength portion as well that was oh yeah fun. i was happy not seeing it again i wasn't excited but i literally went through just like gritting my teeth like fuck it i'm just gonna get a good time on this and i did third place in our group overall on the strength fastest strength portion 15k was a good race but i did not keep my band on it my hands for the first actually no i lost a new run a new mud run i tore three times on my hands on what i tore the first one on urban sky so I was set two obstacles, technically three, but two obstacles away from full completion. Tore the whole callus off. It's uh, like, so I had full Ruskin. I just pulled it too. And then uh, I was at Ricochet for a very long time and I tore open two more times on Ricochet. Cool. And I got to the point where I was like, ah, I'm tired. I can't lean back anymore. I was up against the walls doing it that motion because I can't swing anymore where I was leaning back to just use my reach to get to the ring. I couldn't even reach that ring anymore. Like my body was just like, we can't do You're it. You're tall. I know that's fucking tired. I am. Oh my um, God. So I was just like, if it was different circumstances, that would have been a perfectly clean race, but urban sky somehow got my hands. <laughs> so I'm hoping at this point we've done urban sky two times in a row, the same correlation. I know they have different attachments for that obstacle. So I would like to see them mix it up. I do love the three-stage Urban Sky. Yeah, I, I miss the three-segment Urban Sky. I would like to see it come back. Um, but, but before we officially finish the 15K, this was also the first time we saw Twist on Life at OCRWC. What do you guys think of it? I've seen it before at Frontline, so I've... Well, that's why I said OCRWC. You also didn't run the 15K. I know, but, I mean, it... it I don't know. I didn't see an issue when I was doing it at Frontline. I think I just think that was kind of like a filler, in all honesty. Like, it, I mean, some people may have had struggles with it, but for the most part, you can literally just use your hip, shake out real quick, and then just continue it on. So I think it was just a filler obstacle, in all honesty. When we were... Um, testing it out in the festival area, it looked like it was going to give a lot of people some trouble. But then on course, it was like actually pretty easy. Um, I don't know what the difference was between in the festival area and on course, but it was definitely a completely different obstacle in terms of how smooth it was in turning. Yeah. That's what I noticed because I was a little worried about it because I was like, it's built to like forearm, yeah, like for easier forms. But I just got on top of it and just like quickly did it. I think I struggled more on that one random Hercoist, like on the way down, and that wasn't even hard. Yeah, and I think it was just because it was a small rope. Yeah, I think it was just because it was a small rope. I had an easier time on Twist of Life. I like just the memory, like it. It. Yeah, I didn't. I was not really worried about it, but. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a little harder. Maybe it needs to be a taller hoist or less resistance I'd, or more resistance. I don't know. Was it the same weight as at the uh, the booth? Was it still the 50 pounds on course? Supposedly. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't touch the booth, so I don't know. 
So I wonder if it maybe had different pulleys. I mean, maybe if they only had like one pulley, like in the actual little, you know, battle of the lines area, just to say, hey, look, here's how hard it actually is. But when you got on course, they had like two pulley set up, three pulley set to make it smoother. I mean, that. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll, it'll probably come back. Maybe they have to increase the weight. It'll really depend. But I mean, it's a fresh, clean obstacle. So that might be why it's still running smoothly. Well, Sid wanted to make it 70 pounds, and I could see that being 70 pounds. I could, yeah, it could be, it would be a lot more challenging for a lot yeah. of people yeah. across the board, but it wasn't too bad. Um, I kind of forget, in OCR World Champs, I kind of forget that strength obstacles are there, to be honest. Right. Because they're not, the rec bag carry, like, wasn't as long as it usually is, and then the farmer's carry, I kind of forgot that was up there because it's so early on. It's just stupid. I hate the farmer's carry. I hate that they still use like tote bags filled with sand. It it, it gave me a rash on the side of my leg because they're the way they were carried. They like my legs rubbed perfectly against them. I was like, great. This is going to feel great in the shower afterwards. So, yeah, I had a nice like rug burn. At this point, turn it into jerry cans or something, or like at least some kind of sandbag that you can close. So like if you drop them, I mean, who's dropping those? But if for some reason they do drop, they don't just spill sand everywhere. What was the other thing I was trying to think of in the 15K? They had a lot of just like random filler stuff in there because they had like the regular high-low, which was after the gaff, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was before we started the downhill. I don't know what that was. That was just, I, I mean, I get it. It's supposed to slow us down on Peregrine. And then they had uh, the balance beam on the downhill section. <laughs> they didn't even have volunteers there. You could just run right past it. I don't know why that was there. Um, but whatever. Um, yeah. That, they, they had some filler. I would have liked to have seen what the other technical, there was supposed to be one more technical rig, wasn't there? Yeah, that was supposed to be the monkey bar. Oh, they replaced it with the monkey bars. Yeah. Oh. They replaced the technical rig with the monkey bars because I guess they said that it was like sinking or there's something going on with it because of the weather before. So they replaced it with the monkey bars. I think it, they probably just figured that it was going to be too hard for the runners. Yeah. <laughs> because Possibly. you'd imagine that they would have used the exact same scaffolding for the rig. So, like, you just hang rig attachments on the monkey bars and, like, it's an easy rig. Um, I just assumed that they had, like, tough technical rig attachments and they realized that it was going to be a little too tough. And, hey, that monkey bar still took out a lot of runners' bands. Mm -hmm. It was interesting from being on the strength portion waiting for the runners to come down. I'm like, this is more gap than I thought it was going to be. Like, the amount of people spacing between people. So yeah, I could see like that probably gave people some. Oh yeah, I saw a bunch of people drop their band and then not pick up their um, farmers carry bags, and was like, "Oh, you already lost your band." Yeah, I already lost my band. I'm like, "Oh, okay then." Well, that was quick. Um, well, your team's gonna be real upset, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my gosh! But uh yeah, finishing out that 15k. Um, I kept my band on the 3K, the 15K. I, I was all good. Um, and before I talk about the finish of my t of my 15K, because that kind of rolls us into all of the drama on Saturday. <laughs> um, 
Wait. So um, I got to the race venue on Saturday morning for the 15K. And my parents live, you know, an hour and a half away from Stratton. So my dad's like, oh, well, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring Titan. I'm like, okay, awesome. That's fun. Like, it'll be fun. Um, He gets there 45 minutes-ish before the race. I'm getting ready. And he says, here, hold on to Titan. I'm going to go get something to eat. I look at my watch. I'm like, dad, I have half an hour until my start time. And he's like, oh, it'll be quick. So I'm trying to warm up with Titan. And Titan's not much of a running dog. Um, And I'm running around like in the village trying to figure out where my dad is. And I get to like the breakfast place and the guy's like, "Um, I'm sorry, I haven't seen him. He's like, if you need to leave your dog with me so you can go race, like I I can hold on to your dog. Like I'm I'm the owner here. Like we're very dog friendly. Just let somebody know and like they can come get him whenever, you know, you're out racing. I'm like, thank you so much. I might be back and take you up on that. So then 10 minutes before the start, my dad comes just moseying up he's like okay got he's like oh my gosh it took 20 minutes to get my wrap blah 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 i'm like well at least you know it's fresh i'm like i have to go now and i take off and i don't see any sign of my dad or titan as we come down the mountain through valkyrie whatever so we go death march all the way up to the top and there's titan barking crying as he sees me and um, so I go through, I get the rope climb, no problem. I go through Valkyrie, I'm like, okay, awesome. I'm heading back down. And I come back down, and again, no sign. I mean, I'm not really paying attention. But you can kind of tell if a dog is crying at any time. I mean, you guys know Titan. Titan sees me, and he starts crying and barking. And I wasn't going very fast. So I'm like, well... I don't know where they are. I'm just going to keep going. And I'm running through the festival area. Or, no, through the village. And I see Corey. And that's when Corey turns to me. He's like, um, get mad. As I run up to Urban Sky. And I'm like, wait, why would I get mad? I, I turn to him. I'm like, get mad? Why? And he's like, you're about to find out. So I'm just thinking, I'm like, I have my band still. I'm two obstacles from the end like these two obstacles are easy for me i just gotta then go over a cargo net i'm good um so i hit the bell on urban sky and we go to turn the corner and he's kind of like running up the side with me i'm like matt's not coming is he and Corey's like nope strep so i go to ricochet i go through my thing I go to grab the second to last ring and I'm like getting cocky at this point. I'm like, hand over hand. I don't need this other hand. I grab it and I just suddenly just slip off. Corey looks at me. He's like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. It was wet. So I just get up. I do it again. I hit the bell. I get over the cargo net. I, and with the 15K being the only race I've thought about for the last like, what, four years at this point? Um, all I wanted was to keep my band. Like, normally, I would have been, like, crying, so ecstatic. Like, this was my biggest goal. But instead, it's like, holy shit. We have to now find a new teammate. And that chaos started. But then also, 
I was like, um, have you seen my dad? I still have no idea where my dad and Titan are. Turns out, somebody at the top of the mountain told him, as I left Legaff, it was going to take two hours to get down to the bottom of the mountain to finish the race. No. It took like 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so he was sitting at Mulligan's, drinking a beer, eating a burger, shooting the shit with any racers that were coming in, just enjoying life as I was running through. So we eventually find him, and he feels bad. I mean, it, I don't blame him for, you know, thinking that whoever told him was accurate. I mean, obviously it's not, and I wish he would have looked at a map. And, I mean, he was up there with Corey. He could have easily asked Corey. Um, but I, I don't blame him for, you know, deciding he was going to go and kill time before he thought that we were going to cross. But, yeah, it's a race, and I am going to run down that mountain. And he he was... A little sad to hear that I ran literally right past Mulligan's, but he had his back to the course and didn't even see that. Um, so, yeah, and then from there, we started in on the Matt drama. I will say I did see um, I did see Titan when I was climbing up to the top just before the rope oh, climb. Well, that's awesome. You saw him more than I did. I saw him there because your dad asked me, he's like, He's like, hey, like, uh, he asked me how I was doing. And then he's like, when do you think Megan will be here? And I think you know what y'all did an hour after us, after our, my age group. Uh, went half an hour, I think. Half hour. Oh, yeah. I told him, I was like, it's going to be 30 minutes. Probably going to be, it's going to be a little bit because <laughs> the climb. So he was up there early, though. He he was. And he was able to get onto the um, gondola up early, uh, with Titan. I would have just thought that, like, Literally all of the obstacles are down at the festival area. Like, go down and, like, watch people on obstacles. Yeah. Um, no. no. Um, so the team race. Um, yeah, um, Corey, do you want to tell our story? Okay. So, come, come Saturday after we find her dad again. Um, we're, you know, kind of at this point, her dad's with us, Titan's with us. We're all kind of walking around. I'm talking to my teammates, you know, saying, hey, our strength guy isn't able to come. So we're at this point, we're frantically trying to find somebody that can just fill in for the strength leg. And uh, since we're all like relatively known, like we all know the same people. So she's like, well, I talked to so-and-so. I'm like, well, I talked to so-and-so. And she's like, yeah, I talked to him, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, we have a guy named, who, was it Tink that said something? Yeah, so Tink found him. So he, uh, he mentioned him, and he's like, hey, I've got a guy, you know, who would, you know, can do it. So I like, go, all right, we'll bring him over to us. And uh, here comes Mac um, with his wife and two other people or whatnot. And I, I remember, I think, asking, like, two questions, but I don't think we asked the two questions. It was... Uh, can you do the strength leg? And he's like, yeah. And then before we could ask about, you know, if he kept his band, his wife was like, look, he even kept his band on a 3K. And we're like, you know what? That's fair enough for us. We're good. Let's go sign up and get it taken care of. Um, 
So we went and got it all registered and whatnot. And then come Sunday, we're trying to figure out where he's at because we can't find him. So I'm texting him. He's like, I'm here. I'm like, okay, we're over here. We'll be there in a minute. And I'm bad with faces, so I don't know what he looks like. And uh, we go through, get everything set up. And uh, in all honesty, from that point on, it was kind of just like a blur and a wrap because everything just went smooth. Like Megan came back around with her band. Mac left. Um, we you know, didn't honestly think there was going to be anything that was going to stop him since he had the 3K band. And then... You know, we started to get later on in the race, and it was a little bit of time before he came around, but we saw him trucking down the hill, making that wraparound, giving me the band. I'm like, did you keep it? He's like, yeah, I kept my band. I'm like, that's all that matters. And then off I go. And uh, I come flying around my little hill to Littlefoot. I didn't give them a chance to even think or breathe, in all honesty. I was just like, let's go. And I just jumped straight on and then started going through uh, Littlefoot. The only obstacle were was that was that that invert wall. That thing was the only thing. That was the only thing where you know, I, I Mac probably could have done it himself, but I immediately was like, nope, not happening. I just dropped to my hands and knees and like, step up, let's go. So I was covered in mud. Like we see team pictures. I'm the only one drenched in mud, but he he trucked it. I mean, it was it was great. I was more proud of him. In all honesty, like keeping the band like that's great but the fact that he kept the band on the last minute thing was just awesome just be able to say hey like we just picked him up here he is um but it was just even actually after the fact just recently megan was messaged by his wife and said thank you so much because everybody passed on him nobody wanted him so i mean that now is just what makes it that much better for me being you know his teammate really like not only did he just, he beast through everything, he did it all in one shot. He didn't have to reattempt anything. And I mean, descent is a stupid obstacle. But for somebody, you know, I mean, he, he was a bigger guy. He looks like he's an offensive lineman, but boy, does he, is he strong? Does he have some crazy intense stability? He was able to stay on that the entire time. He was able to, you know, get through sketch, like... He crushed everything, and, you know, we saw him running with the sandbag. We saw him motoring down the hill. When he handed that band off to Corey, he, like, collapsed on the ground for a little bit, got some water, and then immediately went over to the transition area. And he was like, okay, let's do it again. He had so much heart. He wanted to be there. You could just tell that he did not want to let us down. And honestly, comparing him to our original teammate um like i know this is what we were most concerned about with him to begin with he is enjoying his summer we've asked him numerous times please take this seriously please take this seriously come out and train let us help you go for a run go get your rec bag like please train we want to do well and he was always coming back with the same um with the same reasoning like hot boy summer i'm having fun um you just knew his he didn't have the same priorities as Corey and i did with this team and then seeing or i didn't even see the text but hearing Corey say hey he's not coming it, it wasn't surprising to me um and i hate to say that and i you know i don't fault him for enjoying his life i just wish 
we would have known that he wasn't going to take it seriously when we signed up because we could have found somebody else. But I'm so thankful that we found Mac because he did better than we thought our original teammate could have done. That's what I really like about OCR World Championships is that you can have these moments where things are completely falling apart and there are people there who are just like, I just want a chance, like one chance. And y'all gave him that like one chance because like his wife said, people passed on him and he actually got to have fun and y'all got a much better experience out of it than you probably thought you were going to get. So I think y'all like came out definitely winners in that scenario. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, can, before before we move on, can I just a pro tip for anybody who signs up for a team race or anybody who drops a team member? Um, don't ask for refunds if you get replaced on a team because you voluntarily drop. There is still a no refund policy. And... Um, to then ask your teammates to refund your team registration when you have decided to drop the day of. Kind of a shit move. And um, yeah, don't ask for refunds, please. Yeah, with the, uh, I do love the team format. I think that's like my favorite thing about these events. So when I go to these events, since 2018, I've prioritized the team event at this point. Um, I like, yeah, racing individually fun, but there's such a different level of competitiveness that kicks in when you're racing as a full team. Because we, initially, I was supposed to be the speed per person on my team, and last minute, me and Jess switched because she didn't feel comfortable on Skitch, and I switched to Strength, which is something, I mean, I can pull out a Strength portion easily. That's pretty, it's just climbing, and that worked out for our team really well. Um, because once I was handed the timing chip, I was like, well, what I'm going to do is just look down and not stop moving. Um, you were hauling it. When, uh, when I handed off to Corey, you came flying past off of your rec bag and you were just like, the look on your, in your face was like, I don't see anybody. I'm just going. I didn't, honestly, that's what I did. I took, I think I passed six people in the rec bag. Because actually I looked on, apparently on the Strava segment, uh, it says I'm fifth overall, but I'm eighth overall, fifth fastest male on that segment for the day. I don't know. It's whoever puts their stuff on Strava. But uh, yeah, I honestly said to myself, I like to talk to people, but anytime I saw someone and I passed someone, they're like, good job. I didn't say anything. I just gave them thumbs up. I was like, I'm not wasting energy talking right now. I'm just going to, I just looked down and walked up the mountain. Um, and it paid off really well. One attempt on Skitch and then just just blew through everything. And we ended up with, in the mixed division, I had the third fastest time in strength, which I think is wild in my own, just just to toot my own horn. I think that's wild. Um, Don't I lie. You you only did it because you wanted to beat us. No. <laughs> I I love that division. And I was just like, I knew we were back in the middle of like, I think we were, we were like probably 10 to the 20s position at that point. I wasn't sure, but I was like, I'm just gonna, I saw everybody on the climb 
And I was like, I'm going to get every single one of those people. And that's what I started doing. I just sniping I just left put, and right. Yeah. I just put my head down and started climbing. And uh, I tried to get more people on the way down, but there was one final guy who was getting me. And I don't care to like, I don't care about running downhill. I will just go open the whole way down uh, and then just handed it off. But our team, once we hit technical, we, I wish they had better photographers on the team section. Yeah. <laughs> like during those last obstacles, like put someone on Urban Sky because you have everybody doing it, but someone on Ricochet. Because even with me and Jess's hands were taped, Matt's hands were perfectly fine. And I was worried about going through Ricochet with taped hands. I didn't even blink. Like, I wish I could actually take that mindset, capture in a bottle for every single time I jump on an obstacle because I didn't even think about it. I just went, all right, Ricochet. And then I didn't swing. I technically like hand to hand, but I actually rode my momentum. I didn't like stop and 90 it off. So it was a great, like, I, I feel like I'm bragging, but my team, I feel like the, my team and the team portion put on an actual clinic because we passed two other teams at that point, but it was a good time. I'm super excited with our outcome. I wished, um, the one salty thing, I wish certain teams would not be so loaded in the open division because we had some pros on the uh, in the open division. But um, that's something within their ruling that they have, that pros can drop down and run open and claim podiums. But, hey, that's what they have. Yeah, they do need to have a clear rule about that. Um, I know that you're not allowed to change between pro and age group in um, the 3K and the 15K. So why are we having people who can run pro in the 3K, 15K, but then running open for the team race? But arguably, there were also people that ran age group or pro for... Um, the 3K 15K and switched it up for the 100 meter as well. Well, the 100 meter, the 100 meter didn't have any pre It was either just pro or open. So there wasn't any qualifications for that. Right. But same with the team race. There's no qualifications. Um, you could run either pro or open, whatever you choose. I think it's pretty clear. Like if you ran pro 3K 15K, congrats you are now going to run a pro team, which means you have to get some connections and figure out that pro team. Um, even though this is coming from a stance because I, my team was fifth. So I'm like, Oh, if these guys weren't here, we'd be on podium, but it's all, it's something I've had a problem with even in 2019 where there was some pro athletes in age group and they shouldn't be because they're just, I mean, that was still happening in 2021 still as happening well. today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've I've tried to float out the idea of like doing what they do in triathlons where it's like once you accept prize money for the season, you're now a pro athlete like type deal. So if you do that, you can't jump down into an age group, but we're not a the sport isn't uh we're all different divisions in the sport basically. We're all Are different Are you pitching NFL. the OCR pro card? I'd love it. I've wanted to. I wanted to write I wanted to write an article for Mud Run Guide but they did not let me write it. So that's why I don't write for Mud Run Guide anymore. But yeah, I would love an OCR Pro Card, but we don't have a united sport to recognize that across the board. So 
the closest thing we do have is if you sign up for pro 3k you have to do pro 15k or vice versa stuff that's like the closest thing we have to a pro card okay so that's the only difference is that regardless i I think when i've seen someone said you know like if you're going to run pro i thought i said for team you all had to be you know qualified in a pro race to run team and pro i don't think so was that a thing i know that i've seen people running in pro on the team race and other ocrwc and norams that did not run pro in 15 and 3k and i think some of the pro teams that i saw they ran in age group okay yeah because like i said that would be just something to look at because like i said like i know the team who had won this year you know two of their people run pro in basically every race um, but I, I think that their third guy has qualified in the pro division. So that's why they ran age group or ran the open because he wasn't technically eligible to run pro. So they did open so they could still run together as a team. Oh yeah. Qualification, uh, no qualification necessary for team relay. So maybe that's something they should look at changing. Possibly. I would love to see, I would love to see like where we don't have pros in the open division just because possibly they want a easier uh podium but yeah but yeah that's only the only one of the few sour notes i had from that from uh this whole weekend everything else i think went perfect on my end but that was about it well my sour notes the 100 meter race yeah and and their rules (laughs) yeah so i mean it's so what not long after megan had ran hers i think i ran mine at like three had between three and four ran mine Kind of got the rules, you know, I was like, all right, whatever, I'll do what I need to do. Ran my first one, and I was like, all right, I'm going to get ready for the second one. But then right after me, I watched a guy go from, we had to basically traverse that bar. Uh, he just, before he even got to, like, his foot was just barely at the table. He just jumped, skipped it, hit the bell. And I was like, that's weird. And then he did the monkey bars, did the whole net thing, skipped the rope slide, jumped straight to the bell. And I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? So I went and talked to the guy, the people who were sitting there with the rules. And they're like, no, you don't have to touch the obstacles. If you can jump it before the tape, you're fine and good to go. At that point, I said, I'm not running my second run because there's, I mean, it, it, to me, it's an obstacle course race. You at least need to commit to an obstacle. Uh, I mean, because you've got people like who like VJ and Logan, Broadbent. And, you know, Logan's only like you know four foot, but he still can jump. But for those taller guys who literally all I had to do is reach out, I mean, it. I wasn't going to try to even compete with those guys. So, and then you're going to have people who are sitting there saying, "Well, it's an obstacle course race. You know, you leverage it to your abilities." Understandable, but it's you know designed for competition to see how effective you are on those obstacles. Instead of just skipping them, you know, it's just, oh, hey, you've got a better jump than I do. So that was my only real big thing with the rules was the 100 meter and how you could just skip obstacles if you wanted to. It's really odd that you could jump and hit the bell on everything, but they changed the ruling for the monkey bar where you, you when we came in on Friday... Um, you could run and swing on the rope and swing out up to, you know, middle of the monkey bars and then finish it out, hit the bell. And then by Saturday, the rule had changed and you had to 
um, start on the first monkey bar, but then you could jump and hit the bell without doing anything on pretty much everything else. Yeah, there's that too. And like you said, it was for us short people, you know, I had to use the rope. Like I'm used to jumping up onto monkey bars, you know, that are six, seven feet up, but that seemed really tall. So I had to use the rope. So it slowed me down. Didn't have the momentum to go across the bars immediately like I would normally. But it, that if, if they bring back the hundred, they they need to get their you know rules tightened down a little bit. You know, I mean, it's that should have just been hey, you have to at least touch an obstacle. Also, they made the hundred meter. They they didn't have any crash pads. They didn't have any hay. They didn't have anything. So unless you were really confident in what you are doing and like a true on ninja. So many people hesitated and whatever else. So it definitely played to the advantage of anybody who could just run and jump and hit a bell because you're coming down softer than if you were, you know, trying to jump on and off, you know, a monkey bar or whatever else. Yeah, there was nothing there to stop anybody from falling. Like I know the, the last one before the rope climb, there's two D bars. I just skipped the first D bar, jumped to the second one, just kind of looked straight up and hit the bell. But they got pictures. I was basically parallel to the ground, reaching for this bell. So if I didn't get my feet down under, I was going back to ground almost immediately. Um, yeah, I don't. Was it in London when they had the hundred? I think that one was that was more speed, you know, ninja type, you know, kind of stuff. But this one, this one was odd. That I'll, I'll say that this is a weird hundred meter race with the rules kind of kind of weird in london i watched a video and they still had a you know a wall or two they had um like little ramps or something so they had platforms that you started on it was definitely more of an obstacle course than it was just a long jump competition um and i mean like i said i listened to that orm podcast before the race and they were saying you know we're gonna have kraken on there and we're gonna have stairway on there and we got into the venue on friday morning and i remember that was one of the first things we went and looked at and we just looked and said this is so easy it was very basic um there was nothing that was going to be a challenge or slow somebody down and Again, this was supposed to be an obstacle course race, even just 100 meter. I would have loved to see the crack down there, you know, really force people to use their muscle strength and spend some time on the obstacles. Because, I mean, I've never actually attempted Kraken, but I'd be willing to bet that you actually have to grab onto a little bit more of the attachments than say, you know, just run and hit a bell. Yeah, I think they could definitely tighten up the rules. I hope they do for next year. I'm assuming they're holding the 100 meter again next year. It was interesting to see they had actual ninjas out there who didn't run the the 3K or the 15K. They came out there just for that. Just on Sunday. Uh, they came out just on, I knew that Saturday coming into it. Because like with me being a ninja coach and being you know in these ninja competitions... I've got ninja connections. And so some of them are saying, Hey, I'm coming out, I'm coming out, I'm coming out. And some of you asked me, like, what's the prize? You know, what's the purse for winning? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. And some of them even said, you know, the purse is enough for me to even waste my time to come out there. And I was like, all right, valid, you know, understandable. But yeah, if they uh 
if they would have come out, it, like I said, if you didn't run, you know, Friday, Saturday, like 40 to 45, once those ninjas came out, it didn't even matter at that point anyways. And that's them coming in fresh when everybody else has been running 3K, you know, 15K. So, I don't know. I, yeah, they definitely need to tighten up the rules and who can and can't come to this just for that. Or make it a qualification for the 100 meter. How would they go about doing that, though? Do you have to go to ninja competition? Well, no, but, I mean, there there needs to be something. You have to run a stadium race. Yes, <laughs> it's the shortest format. Well, then I guess I will never be running the 100 because I'm not a Spartan supporter, so... <laughs> no, you said today you would go out to Fenway if you could. Mostly because Fenway... Fenway is the greatest ballpark in the history of ballparks. Well, let's not get crazy. It's just something I've never done. <laughs> You've never been to Fenway, period. So let's change that. That's Which the point. They're winning three to one currently at after six. If you do bring gloves, because their flooring is like, I don't know if y'all still have that stupid popcorn flooring. We do. We do. Well, fuck that. In the freezing cold, fuck that. And bear crawls. Yeah. <laughs> that was awful. Ugh. No, the worst the is the, the worst are the seats. You're not going to be able to run through those seats without massive welts by the end. Same as Citizens Bank, same way. But enough about the stadiums. <laughs> uh, but no, OCRWC, figure out how to have qualifications for the 100 meter. Yeah. Please and thank you. I think, I think they're going to get it. That was technically like their second test run. So they'll probably hopefully tighten things up. I don't know. I mean, maybe they, we just need to figure out a way to have like a 100 meter circuit, like Battle of the Lions and, you know, wherever race ready obstacles wants to go. And who knows, maybe we can get like a Hildervat holding a 100 meter course or something else. Like, there's a market for it. Pull those three together, Battle, Race Ready, and Hildervat, or even OCR Overload, because they've yeah. got some t pretty technical rigs sometimes too, saying, hey, you know, we're going to have these qualifying events. Between the four of them, that takes over, what, the Midwest and the East Coast? And the South? Uh, not the uh, East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Hildervat's down in Florida. No, Hildervat's <laughs> in Florida, yeah. Okay, so the Midwest and the South. Maybe he's just showing Phoenix, Phoenix Race too. Why not? Because Phoenix is in Tennessee, but I'm I'm in Kentucky. They're they're coming to Kentucky next month. So I mean, like, we just they, need a race brand in the East Coast that actually has technical rigs. Golden right, Ash on has it. the one. Um, we when just I become more. a millionaire, when I become yeah. a millionaire on Bitcoin, I'll do it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Please, <laughs> I'm I'm waiting. Yeah. Anything else from OCR Worlds that we wanted to highlight? I mean, honestly. I'll say I didn't stress any of the racing this weekend. I think I definitely pushed myself a little more, too much or more out of the gate, at least on the team race, because I wanted to attempt to go fast, but we all know that I'm not actually fast. Um, you but bolted. I, <laughs> I think on my you know... video, I think I muted part of my video. Yeah, I muted it in my, like I said out loud, I was like, you need to slow the hell down. And I think I muted that part of it so you didn't hear me say it when I sent you the video that you were gone. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, I, I started off really well. And then once we turned that corner, I was like, oh, hi. My calves are, like, really sore. And my hip flexors like, are I won that right 100 now. meters. I won that 100 meters. 
You know, it's that starting picture. That's all that matters. Um, <laughs> but no, honestly, this weekend, it wasn't about anything more than just like having fun and like connecting with people. Um, that's really all that I did. Like I didn't stress racing. I just enjoyed my time. Yeah. I definitely didn't like I didn't stress too hard on the 3k. I didn't even push myself on the 15k cuz that was such a back seat like race for me. Team race was fun, but like for me it definitely was just like through what I've been going through, just getting out and being able to race was the most important thing to me. So I was like, "Oh, once I got to do all the fun stuff, talk to people, relax, enjoy like Vermont's weather." I was like, this is just a good it was a good racing weekend." So I enjoyed it. Like I'm excited for next year now that I'm not doing a 15k again next year. So what I'm doing the 15k. You gotta go against me now. No, I'm 3k and team. Taking that 15k off. <laughs> like I said, I, I after all my travel chaos, I think I just got myself out of the race mentality and was just going to enjoy myself, see people hang out, enjoy it. Um, for the team race, though, I definitely pushed on my tech leg. Like I said, I think I was 11th overall, but the fourth fastest in the open. So, I mean, I was, I was gone. I was like, no, this is play catch up. Like this, I came to race. I'll do it now. Um, but it was, like I said, Adrian, the whole world championship crew, the build crews, everybody's out there was all great. So, I mean, I mean, just small little nitpick things, honestly, is all it is that they can get corrected within the next year. So, well, before we officially wrap up, we, we should probably hit on the biggest news coming out of OCRWC for 2022, and that's we still don't have qualifications. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a bummer. I wanted qualifications back because I like earning the qualification, but the way things are going with uh, COVID in other countries, I can see why they're just leaving it open. I can understand. I love being able to use my um, race results from like a NORAM or OCRWC to qualify. I think like to me, that is the biggest proof that like I deserve to be here. Like I didn't just podium poach a Spartan race to get my OCRWC qualification. I showed up on one of the biggest stages and I finished in the top 10. And that's what I did in the 15K. I was seventh overall. So damn right, I was going to use that qualification. Um, but like I have qualified as pro before. I'm not ready to be fast enough, or nor will I be fast enough to run pro next year. So um, it's just ultimately it doesn't matter that like the people who don't qualify have less of a, uh, success on the course so i guess it's not going to slow me down all that much it's just unfortunate that it's not you know a truly qualified heat but i mean the the thing is with it also is we can there'll be with us running competitive age group we worry about like the heats getting packed but at the same time we know we've earned our spot there so it's not that we're being elitist it's that we know we're gonna get past the the people who are extra in there and it's not really going to slow us that much down. But I mean, it does open the door for other people to show up. I mean, ultimately, if you're worried about being slowed down, just start off right at the front of the heat and 
you know, bolt up the mountain as far as you can until you die. Walk out of eyesight, and there you go. You run out of yeah. eyesight. And there you go. <laughs> Damn it! You guys saw that. <laughs> that was the only time I showed up to your start. Remember, the only time all weekend I was there for the start, and you were bolting. And then once you start walking, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go talk to Matt." I didn't see you before the start. You just disappeared. I was like, I guess he missed yet another start. Might as well, you know, bolt out of the gate so I can go catch him before he takes off for his leg. I mean, what makes you think I'm going to be at your start when I can barely make my start 90% of the time? Um, so, no, I mean, I agree with Charles. Like I said, it's we're there. We know we qualified, whether it be pro or age group. Like I said, I've... I'm qualified pro. I qualify pro this year, but if I'm there, I know me personally, I qualified. I'm good to go. If anybody else is there, man, they're not going to be a concern to slow me down. Like I said, just, I'll just get out in front if I need to, but some people have better opportunities to race and compete than others. I mean, we just got to find a way to keep it growing, try to get in sync with the sport overall. I think this weekend definitely exposed a lot of people's weaknesses and um, their deficiencies in training. So I just hope um, that people now realize what it takes to come to OCRWC and they put in the work. I will say this was more of a swingers course than we're used to at OCRWC. You definitely needed to have the shoulder mobility and like the core stability to swing. And like, hey, I'll repeat it again. Like Mac was a beast. He could swing. Um, and that was just so incredible to see. But um, you need to learn how to swing. You need to learn how to lock off. Hell, I pulled out my chicken wing, my figure four. I used every technique I could. Um, on sketch, I dead hanged. I locked off. I rode on one sketch handle. I rode on two. Um, you just don't know what to expect come race weekend. So you have to train literally everything. So I think that about wraps it up for our episode this week. Megan, where can they find you? My name is Maggie B A T C on Instagram. I am the OCR trainer on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I have a website. I also do online coaching. So if my little shit, you know, let's go all start training for OCRWC um, hit home for you, let me know and I will get you set up with training in this off season. Because remember, the off season is where we build our strength. And then as soon as season comes, we refine. So make sure you are taking full control in this off season. And Corey, where can they find you? I can't follow up with that except for I am Iron Man. Um, so with that being said, it is ironman.ocr on Instagram. Um, Meg, I don't know how to follow up with that. Exactly. You, this is what I've been doing for. Like, <laughs> you know, just let me close out the show from now on. Well, I got all that covered. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at sabertooth underscore OCR. That is S-A-B-R-E-T-O-O-T-H underscore OCR. I guess on there you can click my link tree and see whatever the hell I got going on. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at middle of the pack pod. Uh, you can, Twitter, we have mid-pack pod, sure. Um, um, did we use Twitter this week? Did you guys we use should've. Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely back on Twitter. No should've shame. Like, Should have put up our first post, so we're here now. But, oh, um, so this is a thing now. 
Um, but yeah, and on our Instagram, Facebook, you can find our link tree where you can find the links to how you probably found us already. But remember to rate, like, subscribe, download, share, post, share your experience with us about, about OCR World Championships uh, with us on Instagram and Facebook as well, because we are still reaching out and sharing yes. your stories. Tag us and everything else. We want to hear from you. Until next time, we are Middle of the Pack Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Go Sox. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that out. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs>